Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to the Lively Charleston Podcast. Our goal with the show is to interact with and tell the stories of the amazing people, places, and businesses that make Charleston the best city in the world. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. And check us out on Instagram and Facebook where we post content regularly throughout the week. Thanks so much, guys. Hope you enjoy the episode. All right, so we are here with the one and only Dr. Mesa Hanawi. Did yeah, I say it right? that was right. Ah, okay, I've never actually <laughs> asked you that. That's that was, pretty good. This is my best attempt. Yeah. Very nice. So uh, you're you're a, an official doctor. Yeah, a physical re- therapy. A real yeah. life doctor. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you have your doctorate in physical therapy. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So we're gonna talk about a lot of things today. Okay. We have. Uh, I'm ready. We we put you through the the lively Charleston podcast questionnaire mm-hmm. before you arrived, uh, which you completed so thoroughly, and I thank you for that. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, I try. And so we're gonna go through all these things and talk about what you're up to right now, which is okay. pretty cool, I must say. <laughs> thank you. Um, but let's take it back a little bit. So you actually grew up in Dubai, mm-hmm. yeah. which I think is super cool. So tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, I grew up my whole life there. I was born in the States, but moved to Dubai when I was three or four. So lived there until I graduated high school. So that's pretty much home. My parents still live there. So definitely love the sunshine and the hot weather, which is why I live in Charleston. Um, but yeah, it was a great place to grow up. How hot? Actually, pull your mic a little closer. We're, we're in and out a little bit. There we Sorry, go. there That's we go. Okay. That's okay. For you know, for the listeners. Got okay. It. <laughs> so, how hot does it get in Dubai? Like, what are the um, summers like? It'll get over a hundred for sure. Okay. Um, I would say like the three months of summer are pretty miserable, and then the rest of the year is perfect. Like it'll be like seventy-five on Christmas Day. Okay. So, how does it feel summer in Dubai compared to summer in Charleston? Oh, Dubai's way hotter. Way hotter. Yeah. But do they have the humidity? Worse than Charleston. Really? Yeah, because we're on the beach. Oh, my God. That does sound (laughs) miserable. But then, like, the rest of the year is amazing. It's like beach season all year round. And it's perfect. Yeah. Okay. It's funny. To me, probably to most people, Dubai is like... It's this Instagram city. It's not actually real. You know? I know. Everyone's always asking, like, what was it like to grow up there? But it was just normal life for me. That was home. That's crazy. That's where people, like, the richest people vacation and do, like, (laughs) epic things you can only do in Dubai. It's a very cool city, for sure. All right. And so you wanted to be a PE teacher when you grew up. Yeah, I think I was thinking about that with that question. I think I wanted to be, like, something with physical education. I also loved animals. I thought about being a vet for a while. Um, but yeah, kind of, kind of went that route, something similar. I was say, yeah, you, you went down that path. <laughs> yeah. Now, but you also mentioned that you had considered having your own ice cream shop when you were a kid. <laughs> yeah. There's Is like home true? videos of me saying I was going to have an ice cream truck. Actually. Really? Yeah. <laughs> really? So at what point did you sell out on the ice cream truck dream to go get your doctorate? Well, I still am like a big ice cream fanatic. So I feel like. I lived that out in a hobby. Got it. Okay. One had to be the main, one had to be the side. Exactly. Okay. All right. And you've pulled that off. (laughs) Very nice. Okay. So your current business, where you are now, we're going to get into that a little bit, but, um, or a lot of it, but you started it as a side hustle Mm -hmm. originally. So talk to us about kind of how you transitioned from, you know, college into finding your way and then this side hustle and, and to where it is now. Yeah, so when I was in physical therapy school, we did rotations throughout, and I went, I did a lot of rotations at clinics that were seeing two to three patients an hour. They were 
kind of like a mill, turn and burn, and like the PTs were burning out. It was low quality of care. And then at the same time, I was coaching in CrossFit gyms and seeing kind of the other, the flip side of things. And I was like, I'm learning all these things that could be used in a gym setting. And I don't really love the traditional clinic setting. Mm -hmm. So straight out of PT school, I partnered with what's now made to move and ran a cash-based practice out of CrossFit gym. So it was a full-time thing, but throughout I was also personal training, coaching CrossFit, doing some online. So it wasn't until recently that I went a hundred percent on my business. Got it. Okay. What does that mean? You said cash-based practice. What does that mean? So essentially that means we don't bill insurance. So we can practice however we want. We're not held by the constrictions of like what's going to be reimbursed or what's considered functional by insurance. Got it. Okay. It doesn't mean that you only take cash <laughs> under Believe the table. Believe it or not, people think this. They're always like, can I pay you in a card? And I'm like, yes, you can. <laughs> but yeah, it just means okay. that um, you don't bill insurance. So it's out of pocket. Got it. Okay. So accepting all forms of payment. <laughs> yes. That's, all right. Fair. Bitcoin. Will you take a Bitcoin? Uh, I don't know. That right. might, that might be pushing. Depends if, yeah. It depends <laughs> if it's up or down. Okay. Fair. Um, okay. So it started as a side hustle and then you, so you grew your brand, grew your name, mm-hmm. right? I assume yep. from there. And then how did, how did you take the plunge into, you know, moving into full-time entrepreneurship? Yeah. So originally in the box PT was physical therapy and I saw patients all in person. Um, then when COVID hit, I started working for a company online, doing a lot more online programming because gyms were, you know, open again, close again. It was a little bit of a mess. And I started to really like the performance side and doing fitness programming and just incorporating rehab into people's fitness program. I saw a lot better results that way, could have a way greater impact. So I was doing really well programming online, so I kind of switched. It's still in the box PT, but it now stands for performance training. So I do a lot more of the fitness side, the functional side rather. I do get out of pain, but I like to transition them as quickly as possible into fitness. Um, So I just was ready to go out on my own and was enjoying it. And I think that the online digital version of what I was doing opened a lot more population and doors for me to reach more people. So how did you, I think that's a really interesting transition when you go from, um, cause I, I used to be a, a gym guy myself, mm-hmm. um, had a gym in a previous life. <laughs> and so, um, I was very, um, I was very attuned to working with people and I could have my hands on them and my hands on the equipment and like, yep. um, and see them and, and help them and, and cue accordingly. So how do you transition from that to now you're coaching people uh, probably a lot of people you've never even met, mm-hmm. right? And you have a relationship. This this is a it's a unique relationship. Like it's a For it's sure. a pretty close relationship, and they're yep. trusting you a lot. <laughs> so how do you develop that, and then how do you work with them remotely? Yeah. So at first, I used to think I would never. If you had told me two years ago that I would be majority remote, I would have laughed. I would have been like, I would absolutely hate that. Yeah. But what happens when I see someone in person, whether it's for physical therapy or personal training is I'll see them for the hour, 45 minutes, however long. And then I don't speak to them until the next time I see them. So that like limits results so much because you're only seeing them, you know, that once a week, twice a week. Yep. With online, I can literally progress them every single day. I'm getting videos. I'm getting feedback. We're having constant communication. Most of my clients I'm talking to daily, if not multiple times a week. They're sending me videos. They're getting feedback. So I started to see 
one, like way more progress. And then two, like the relationships I was building were actually a lot more personal. I was getting to know someone and like with programming, I have clients I've programmed for two years now. I'm writing their workouts four to six days a week, talking to them on a regular basis. Like that's such a different relationship because you see people change over such a long period of time, how they adjust to their jobs, changing their lives, changing, having kids, all those things. So it's been really cool. I imagine there's a lot of value to that as well for your client when it's almost like if, if someone wants to go to a, a, a therapist, like a, mm-hmm. like a, a, a regular, what do you call that? A regular therapist? Psychologist a therapist, psychologist? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A real therapist. <laughs> like, yeah, someone who helps with our, our other issues, our mental issues. <laughs> For sure. It'd be like, I mean, there's this period of, of like where nothing really productive happens. They're just trying to like figure out like mm-hmm. what happened in your childhood and yeah. you know, why does this trigger you and like all those things. So you're like, you don't even get to anything productive for quite a while. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and probably after you spend a lot of money. So whereas I would think when you have an ongoing relationship, it's like, you know, now you have two years of history. So if, if they give you feedback like, Oh, X, X, Y, Z thing is bothering me. You probably already have a really good idea what's happening, what to pull back on, what sort of corrective things to put in place. Yeah, for sure. That like, like I said, the more frequent contact context you have contact with them, um, it just gives you more of a like full picture. You get to know the person way more. You get to see how they respond over longer periods of time. It's really funny you say that because I was at a PT conference a week or two ago and they were talking about the job that most resembles yours or what you're most in competition with. And we literally said therapists. Really? Yeah. Cause I think what we do, especially with a one-on-one coach, like the programming I do, I adjust for a lot of lifestyle factors. So if their job is more stressful, their workouts are going to be less stressful. If you know, something's happening in their relationship or with their family, we're going to adjust accordingly, which you're not going to get that in a group setting. You're not going to get that in a templated program. So it's hyper individualized to what's going on with them, how to fit their schedule, how to fit their stress levels, um, which like you said, it just builds a way better, more personal relationship. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Okay. So, so then who is, who is the typical person that, that, comes to you for, you know, I guess an initial consultation or, you know, what's like the perfect client typically? So there's kind of two facets to it. One, people find me if they're in pain because I am a physical therapist. I do help people get out of pain. So if they're experiencing some sort of joint pain while they're working out, but typically the main client base is someone who is frustrated with their current program. Either they are unhappy with how they look, how they feel or how they perform. So for a lot of people, I think group fitness is such a great model. There's so many good aspects to like the social side of it, to the interaction, but group fitness is for the average person and not everyone is the average person. People have specific needs. So whether that's performance, they want to excel, they want to compete, they have specific performance goals, or they just want to feel good, look good naked. The the group class or whatever program they're doing isn't catered to them. Um, so it's usually people that are frustrated with something in their current programming. Okay. And do you typically, so how many clients do you have right now? Just me personally. Yeah. yeah. I have about 40, about 40. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so they get a lot of your attention. attention. Okay. So what percentage is female? A little more than half. Okay. So pretty, pretty close. But it's pretty even for my programming clients. Yeah. Okay. So, um, 
I've noticed just in our conversations, you have a kind of a special place in your heart for empowering women and, <laughs> yep, and helping them feel their best and, mm-hmm. and to be strong. And yep. um, you've got some things kind of going right now with that. So tell us about that. <laughs> yeah. So recently, me and Emily Steele, another personal trainer in the Charleston area, started a program called Girls Gone Buff, which is for preteens and teens. To We did a six-week camp is how it originally started every Saturday. It was half workout, so we taught them how to weight lift and how to do some basic functional movements in the gym. And the other half was a lesson where we went through everything from positive body image to macros, nutrition, self-care, all of those things. Um, and it came out about really organically. Honestly, me and her were at a coffee shop talking about crazy things that happened to us when we were teen girls and like the things we were exposed to. And now with like TikTok and Instagram and all of that, I can't even imagine what these girls are seeing. And I was like, if if someone had shown me weightlifting when I was 12, someone had like explained to me the importance of being strong over, you know, skinny or whatever, um, my life would have been drastically different. We had a lot of these firsts in our 20s. Imagine yeah. if we had had it 10 years prior to that. Interesting. So so how so? Like if you replay, if you had learned weightlifting and like what, what sorts of things might that have changed for you? For sure, confidence. I think um, we talk about this all the time, just having been in the functional fitness CrossFit space for a lot of years now, there's nothing that parallels the confidence you get from doing things you didn't think you were capable of doing, challenging your body and getting the reps in, like doing that day in and day out for years. I for sure walk into business meetings, into rooms of people I don't know with a different level of confidence because it's the, it's the self-limiting beliefs. Once you can kind of crush those in the gym, it it spills out. I'm sure you owned a gym, you know, into other aspects of life. Gotcha. Okay. So you, you imagine that now with girls, right? I guess you're not imagining, like you're doing this, right? <laughs> yeah. So with girls that they learn these things, they learn these skills. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the important thing is that it's something they didn't think they could do. Yeah. And then you show them how to actually do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I guess you're planting the seed that, Hey, if I could do this and I didn't think I could, then maybe what else is out there that I could For sure. About? And even like in the first session, we kind of asked them, we talked to them about their beliefs around weightlifting and a lot of them are like, well, the weight room's just for the boys, like only the boys teams. And even now, like obviously when I was a kid, we didn't really have strength training in high school, um, yeah. but schools do have it now, but still a lot of schools, it's just the football team that's allowed in the weight room. And it's, there's so many things now on social media pushing girls to be smaller, to lose weight. Like the only reason you could possibly want to work out is to be smaller. And that's like what they're seeing all the time. And these girls are so intuitive. They like hear things and they internalize it. Right. So showing them like, no, here's two. And we're kind of in that age range where we're probably a little bit younger than a parent. We still kind of feel cool to them. We're like the camp counselor. Right, right, right. So it's just a different influence telling them like, this can be really cool for you. Like you can do this completely for yourself to feel better. It doesn't have to be to look a certain way or to lose weight. It's just really healthy for you to be strong. And what do you, what do you recommend as, as far as, um, what's a good age to start introducing kids to weightlifting? I think if you have a well-trained coach, you can do it at any age. Um, I obviously 
won't have them like maxing out and lifting certain loads at certain ages. But we had a girl as young as nine in there, so it can be pretty young. I mean, in CrossFit gyms, you'll have people coming in lifting at, you know, five people bring their kids in. And it's all about, I mean, at that point, it's not, the weight is fairly irrelevant, right? It's like, it's all about teaching movement patterns. And like if they were to, you know, pick up a rock at the playground, like that weighs something. Exactly. So they might as well get the right way. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. In daily life, they're picking up things. Um, What I say is like, we, we train them in the deadlift. We did a bunch of lifts, but they, over the six weeks did deadlifts every week. And on the last day of camp, they had a mini weightlifting meet where their friends, family, parents could come watch them max out their deadlift, obviously within safe parameters. But all of them were like shocked because a lot of these kids were lifting over a hundred pounds and they couldn't even fathom that that's something they could pick up. There was like moms in tears, like seeing their kids walk up to a lifting platform and be confident. And it's just, it's a really cool thing to see. That is really cool. I actually have a nine-year-old uh, <laughs> yeah, so you as get well, it. a nine-year-old little girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and we have some things that we do to help kind of try to train that confidence. Yeah. Um, but to a large degree, I think you nailed it. Like you have to, you have to do things. You can say it all day long, but you have to prove it to believe it mm-hmm. within yourself for sure or to actually come out and, and be genuine. Yeah. And I think on the other side of that too, like we taught them what macros were like, what is protein? What is fat? Just not in a, like what you should do, just in an understanding, like protein helps you build muscle. Like fat is good for your hormones, stuff like that. And I don't think I knew truly what macros were till maybe like late college, early grad school. Yep. And even then I was like, eh, I like kind of get it. And I think if Like there's so many beliefs, you know, like carbs are bad for you. Even these girls are like, oh, you should only have carbs if you run. That's like what a couple of them said. And I was like, that's so wrong. (laughs) But they just hear it. They hear it from a parent, a sibling online, wherever they've heard it. And that's where all these kind of thoughts begin to form. So if we can just maybe empower them with a little more information way before we got it, it could hopefully change some of their thought processes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. It's crazy when, when you see how these things evolve, like, I mean, I'm a little old at this point at 40, (laughs) but you know, I grew up on the food pyramid. Like that was the, Mm -hmm. I was on the side of like every cereal box and like nutrition class I ever had. And that was the Holy Grail middle school. And it was like, get your bread, get your milk, you know, get your everything and stay away from fats. Everything's low fat. Right. Which is, um, I mean, I guess, That'd probably be another conversation when we have more time. But like, <laughs> For sure. Things yeah. have changed. Is it fair to say 100%, that? hundred percent. Yeah. Or, or I guess they were always the same. Our bodies were the same, but maybe the information's changed. Yeah. And I think also like they have access to so much more information now that it's even more confusing. They're getting so many false advertising, false things online that they're just, they're so much smarter than we were for sure. And the things they're exposed to are just so different because this whole thing started in that conversation. When we kind of came up with the idea, I was telling Emily when I was in middle school before I used to run cross country my whole life, girls would like cellophane their stomachs, like saran wrap their stomachs under their uniforms to like sweat more to lose weight. And I remember girls like bringing saran wrap to practice and then lifting up their uniforms, wrapping their stomachs. And we lived in Dubai. Like that's arguably super dangerous. It was so hot anyways. Right. And I was like, if we were doing that, then I can't imagine what they're doing now. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Especially with, um, 
just peer pressure. Like you said, you can't really escape mm -hmm. the, yeah. the, that pressure or that messaging for sure anymore. So, um, one of the things that you said that I thought was really cool, um, is your, I asked what your favorite quote was. Mm -hmm. And you said, you actually gave two. So you said one, which is do good and good will come to you, which I think mm -hmm. is amazing. <laughs> um, I totally agree with that. But the other one, this is a Seth Godin quote, which I think was cool. And you said the best way to be in the room where it happens is to be the person who called the meeting. Things rarely happen on their own. Everyone is waiting for you to organize the next thing. And that made me think of your girls gone buff with everything mm -hmm. you're doing there. Yep. Um, and I just thought was a thought that was a really cool quote. Yeah. So my business partner, Emily actually introduced me to Seth Godin and showed me this quote and I'm now reading his marketing book. Um, but yeah, I think we're always waiting for someone else to come up with a good idea. Like we can talk all we want about how this was something we wish would have been different, or we can just go ahead and try and change it. So we started girls gone buff and it was so well received everyone who's heard about it. Now we have three summer camps set up that we're running. Like nobody doesn't want to empower a young woman. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just like, like I said, it happened super organically and we were like, we, we can do this. I think that's really awesome. So we're going to, um, come back and share some more of your information, but, um, right now, if somebody just wants to get info on girls gone buff, mm -hmm. how do they find that? So my Instagram or Emily's Instagram, we can find me at mesahanawi.dpt. Got it. Okay. And we'll make sure we put that in the link too, um, if anyone's looking for that. So let's fast forward five years from now. Where is Mesa? Where's IBX? Where's Girl Gone Buff? Um, what's going on? That's a big question. Um, I just hired my first coach for In the Box hey. for me. So that's super exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. I hope to have... A lot of coaches programming all over the country, all over the world. Um, I do have clients in different countries. So um, I really enjoy coach education and mentoring coaches. So I hope eventually to be spreading it to other coaches and making them kind of more professional, elevating the industry. Hopefully Girls Gone Buff is all over and building strong, we say strong girls, strong world all over the country. I like it. Um, and camps are happening in every city, every state. I like it. So you're already an international entrepreneur. Did I hear that correctly? <laughs> yeah, Is I have right? some clients in Dubai, in Australia, in a bunch of places in Europe. So yeah. We're going worldwide with this thing. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. I love it. Okay. Um, all right. Final two questions I love to ask. Okay. If you could go back in time now with the perspective that you have, mm -hmm. if you could go back to when you first started your business and give yourself a piece of advice, what would that be? I would say to be more confident and to know my worth. I think I'm not alone. And when you start out, you always undercharge. You think everyone knows more than you. You think that, you know, you're too new to be worth a certain amount. Um, and I think I try to always be the hardest worker in the room and surround myself with people that are better than me. And if you have that mentality and you want to work for it, like, you're always going to excel. So to be confident in that. I love it. I love it. Great advice. Ed, would, would younger you have listened to older you? Probably not, <laughs> <laughs> but we got here eventually. So we figured it out. We figured it yep. out. Okay. Um, next question. If you could give one piece of advice to someone else, right? So maybe even one of your, uh, you know, one of the older girls in your program, mm -hmm. right? But someone who's looking up to you is inspired by you and wants to 
you know, maybe take a risk, maybe go out on their own, start mm -hmm. their own business, whatever it may be. What would you say to them? As cliche as it sounds, I truly believe you are like the five people you spend the most time with. So to pick the people you surround yourself with really intentionally, um, I think I've said this many times, like in order to be a good coach or a good any XYZ job, you have to first be a really good person. So picking people that are going to elevate you, that are going to call you out on your BS, that are going to make you better is really important, especially when you're an entrepreneur, because it can kind of be, you know, an island. So making sure you have good people around you. I love it. I love it. Great advice. Great advice. Uh, okay. One more time. Let's let everyone know if they want to learn more about you, just in case anyone uh, missed it here in the middle, if they want to learn about you, Girls Gone Both, IBX, mm -hmm. um, or maybe... They have some pain in their shoulders, something like that. <laughs> oh, is that they you? Need some tips. Yeah, yeah, you'll hear. Yeah, from me. you can find me at intheboxpt.com is my website for IBX for one-on-one programming, um, and then mesahanawi.dpt on Instagram. There it is. Well, Mesa, this has been super fun and super awesome. Thank you for sharing your story with everyone, and um, yeah, it's really been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Hey y'all, that's a wrap on today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to give us a subscribe so you never miss out on any future episodes. Yep, and please help us grow the channel by sharing the podcast with someone else who might enjoy it. Thanks so much and we'll see you next time.